August 13, 2010, Frankel wins for the first time at Newmarket, beginning an incredible run of 14 wins. All great streaks start somewhere, so start your own with Betfair's free bet streak. Simply bet £20 on the exchange this week and get a £5 free bet. If you win with a free bet, you'll get another. It's that simple. Free bet streak from Betfair. Weekly opt-in, back on exchange bets, placed Monday to Sunday. Minimum odds £1.55 free bet awarded at Bet Settlement. Valid for 72 hours. T's and C's apply. 18 plus. BeGambleAware.org. The Final Furlong Podcast is proudly brought to you by AtTheRaces.com, your ultimate resource for finding winners. Welcome to the show and hopefully the gravy train ahead of a fantastic weekend's racing. I'm your host, Demis Kennedy. Thank you for downloading the show. Joined by informed tipster from The Sun and TalkSport, Mr. Tom Bull. Hello, Emmett. Thank you very much for having me on again. Uh, delighted to have you on again, my friend, uh, particularly if you continue in the red-hot form that you've been in. Speaking of red-hot form, it's the one and only Rory DeLarge. Hello there. Welcome back to the show, my friend. Hope you are well. We'll get stuck into it. York is where we're going to start before we move to the Curra. There's so many races to talk about, so we went through it in pre-production, and this is the list we picked. The John Smith's Cup will start things off. The going currently is good, officially, at York, and over 10 furlongs. Uh, solid stone for Sir Michael Stout and William Buick is your favourite on the Bedford Exchange at 6.5. Fifth position for Roger Varian, 7.0, and Piven. We're quite like for this race for Andrew Balding and Rob Hornby is currently 9.5 on the Betfair Exchange. Tom, I'll start with you. Who do you like for the John Smith's Cup? Yeah, I mean, it's a smorgasbord of, of cl- classy racing this weekend. Isn't it? Everywhere you look at every course, there's a, there's a decent race or two. Um, John Smith's Cup, very much one of those. Probably the highlight of the British Fair this weekend. Um, obviously, Solid Stone, a very impressive winner at Sandown last time over a mile. The gelding option, uh, Elb operation, clearly worked well. I mean, he's obviously improved as a four-year-old. I'm not of the opinion, that sh- I'm not sure that one mile, two furlong and two and a half furlong will suit him as well this time. Yes, he's won over the trip, but that improved form last time came over a mile. He's up seven pounds now, and this is a much hotter race. So I'm quite keen to take him on, quite keen to take Karadok on as well, um, and fifth position. So the one that I do really like, actually, who's kind of one of the stalwarts of the uh, the handicapping game over the past, is Baltic Baron. Um, he's quite a big price, I think, uh, for David O'Mara, who's absolutely rocking at the moment. He's had so many winners recently. He had um, four, I think four his last nine, runners of all one so at least we know the train is in, in very very good form and um this horse who's who's i think he's cost a lot of people a lot of money in the past because he's always one of those horses that kind of almost gets there but doesn't quite get the job done um but it was much more like his old self when he came fifth in the royal hunt cup at royal ascot last time and i'm really interested in him tackling this new trip because he's never done it before and he really likes a big field his best runs have come in big fields, including a close fifth in the Golden Mile at Glorious Goodwood and, of course, his effort at Ascot last time out. Um, he's actually still fairly lightly raced for, for O'Mara. He's only had one full season with him, having been in France. And I think as a five-year-old, he definitely could have more to come. And I do think with Angus Villiers claiming five, Angus Villiers, he doesn't get too many high-profile rides, but when he does... He's definitely worth following because he's got a very, very big career in the saddle ahead of him. He's got a lot of class and he's got great composure for someone of his age. And actually, he rides York particularly well. So I'm very happy with the fact that David Amar has managed to book this Angus Villiers on board, which means actually he's now going dropping back to a mark of 91 if you take that claim into account, which actually is £5 lower than his lowest ever mark he's ever run off. So I do think Baltic Baron 
has to be very, very well handicapped and must have a huge chance if he does improve as I expect him to over this slightly longer trip. So hopefully Baltic Baron, I think he's around about 20 to 1, um, is going to have a pretty big chance from the bottom of the weights. And I, th I think he's probably better than this mark in time. And I was really quite pleased with that run last time at Royal Ascot. So I'd be very interested in him. Um, of, of the others, I think Breath Court has got a decent chance each way. I thought he ran pretty well at, at Epsom last time out behind Sky Defender. That horse definitely got the run of the race that day. So I wouldn't be want to be having him again. I thought Breath Court of the others in that race looked look, look the one. But for me, Baltic Baron is definitely the one at a big price who I think can outrun his odds. 21.5 currently on the Bedford Exchange. And as I look at AtTheRaces.com, David O'Mara's had 11 winners in the last two weeks on fire. Are you going to back that up, Roy Delargy, or are you going in another direction? I, I wouldn't argue with that, but I, I'll go in another direction. Though. It's a very tough race. I'm, I'm not sure that Sky Defender is necessarily one to, to be against after Epsom. Yes, he was. He was well positioned there, but um, he'll again... Um, be well positioned here, I think. Uh, a because that's his style of running anyway. And York is kind of a, it's it's often described as a front runner track, which is which is unfair. But it is a track that that um, favours horses with speed rather than uh, relative speed rather than stamina. And although he's drawn out in stall twenty three, for a horse who races prominently, that's not a bad draw at all because it means you're able to sustain your speed around the bend. One of the issues with um, uh, with tracks with tightish bends. Um, uh, like York does, where also galloping track generally has got a long straight. Um, the, the home bend is tight enough. If you're taking that towards the inside, you've got to check your speed to get right. Um, whereas if you're coming from a wide draw, Sky Defender is, you can take a, um, a more oblique angle into the bend and, and therefore maintain your speed through it. And I can see him going forward under Joe Fanning, um, getting on the lead, um, being able to build that up round the first bend and then slow things down a little bit and go where he wants and, and where I want him to come is, is up the middle of the track. Um, I never like to see horses get to the front from a wide draw and then immediately move across to the to the inside rail because I think that always makes them a target. Everyone then is bearing down on them. Whereas if you maintain your position in the middle of the track, if that's as long as that's um, a good enough place to be in terms of the, the state of the going, it's much harder for the field as a group to attack you um, than it is if you just go to the far rail because then everything is just you just got a target on your back then. So I can see him actually running a very good race, and you know, for all you can knock um, uh, the form of his um, his run at Doncaster before he went to Epsom. Um, you know, he's a horse who's now won three um, starts this year. He is essentially um, still improving based on his Epsom run. He's five points higher, that's going to make it tough for him. Um, but he doesn't have a bad weight with nine stone six. And I thought Sky Defender actually would, would run fairly well. I'd, I'd hope that he'd be a drifter on the day. He's kind of horse be put in reasonably short because he's won a, a televised handicap um, in recent times. But I think most people will, will want to be against him. Um, and I'm hoping to get a reasonable price about him. Um, and the other one, the other one, I, oddly enough, also comes from the same race, and that's Caradog, um, who was progressive last year, um, has got decent form here. He was third... Um, over a mile and a half on quick ground here um, last August, despite the fact that he looked like he didn't stay. He didn't quite stay the trip. He was quite freely. Um, he ran on pretty well, but got, got mugged through so much of training, threes on and running. Um, he doesn't need to improve an awful lot of that. He's, he's six pounds higher for that, but he's, he won next time out at Newbury. Um, he ran well in Listed Company after that. And I thought he ran well at Epsom to be fourth, sorry, to be four length sixth um, 
behind Sky Defender last time out because he was badly positioned. He was he, he um, was right at the back of the field there. He didn't look particularly happy coming down the hill, but he finished off um, pretty well without ever looking like winning that to get within uh, four lengths and runs off the same mark. So he's got a five-point turnaround with the winner. Stall nine's dandy for me. Uh, James Doyle taking over for Oshin Murphy is, is hardly a bad thing either. And I thought he was sure to run a, a big race. So he, he'd be my main selection of the race. Um, and I'd look, you know, I would look to back Sky Defender if he drifts from his current price. I think that's quite likely. Okay, Caradoc gets James Doyle on board for the first time. He's been well backed from 11.0 down to 8.0 right now on the Bedford Exchange. Uh, Rory's other selection is the Mark Johnson and Joe Fanning team up for Sky Defender. And uh, that horse is currently trading in around about 17.0. As for the selection from Tom, uh, as I was saying, you can currently get around about 21.5 currently. Uh, for Tom's selection as well. And Piven is in there at 9.5. But no love from the lads for the first horse to try and bid for the double successfully since 19 dickety do 86 for historical records. The Irish yeah, Oaks. I imagine that was. Ah, uh, you see, that's why, you're, that's why you're banned from the Christmas quiz, Rory. Smashing smash horse, <laughs> Because you'd embarrass all of us. Tom, you may very well be part of the Christmas quiz this year, but Rory can set questions but not be part of it because it would just be an annihilation. It'd be a to- total <laughs> embarrassment. No, that was very impressive, quick knowledge. <sighs> just like um, like that. Yeah, if you ask me what won the Derby, though, I still, I still have to think about that for five minutes. For five minutes. I'd have, about, to, I'd have to piece the entire season together. About five seconds and you'd have it, no doubt. The Irish Oaks, Jubmont Irish Oaks, to give it its full title. The going currently at the Curra is good. He looks outside. It's not raining, but it was earlier on. Cayenne Pepper heads the betting and is a favourite horse of Roy DeLarge. 3.0 after a mighty run behind Magical on her seasonal reappearance. Ennis Steinem is also co-favourite. 3.5 currently on the bet for exchange, but generally is uh, challenging for favouritism with Cayenne Pepper and will be the leading contender for Aidan O'Brien. Snow, who won the other day, uh, also in here at 5.5. Coolmore um, also running even so, but that horse runs for Jar Lines. Uh, Aidan O'Brien then has got uh, Lamberbrum, whatever, uh, Passion, and New York Girl, who was supplemented to run in the Derby. It didn't quite work out for her, though. She's in here as well at a big old price. Uh, I suspect that when we were looking at this race beforehand, we were dreaming of the likes of the French Oaks winner, Prix de Diane winner, Fancy Blue coming over. We were probably even thinking about love, but none of those horses take up this engagement, Tom. But we do still have some pretty exciting horses. Ennis Dynam was certainly a horse that you were very, very keen on for the Oaks, and she landed the forecast for us and turned a, an odds-on shot into a, a nine-to-one shot. So what's your thoughts on the Oaks at half ten at night at the Curra on Saturday? Jesus. <laughs> yeah, look, it's it's a slightly disappointing renewal in my opinion, just because we're we're kind of not really seeing the top class fillies ever a mile and a half. But that said, Cayenne Pepper and Ennis Diamond are proven at, at, at this level, and they're very very good fillies in their own right. So we can't be too grumble, can't be grumble too much. And we've got the likes of Snow in there, who could be anything, and Laburnum as well, who's definitely got plenty of potential after just two starts. But um, I want to start off with the Irish Oaks. Just wanted to say that I actually read 1984 recently for the first time by George Orwell. Oh, and um, for those who don't know, that the main character in that is a guy called Winston Smith, and basically his enemy is uh, is the big brother, the state, and that is, em- is embodied by a character called O'Brien. And I have to say, when I read it, 
Um, I thought to myself, well, Winston, at the moment, Winston Smith is essentially every other Irish trainer. They all lie in fear and awe of O'Brien and his <laughs> firepower. Um, but you've got, not just, you haven't got just one O'Brien, you've got three of them now. So you've got actually no chance if you're anyone but an O'Brien. Hold um, on, hold on a second. Are you equating George Orwell's 1984 <laughs> to Aidan O'Brien is the big brother overseeing everything and therefore is the enemy of racing? <laughs> Not the enemy of racing at all, no. He's just the enemy of all other Irish trainers. That's all right, okay, okay, okay. Just to clear things up, because, you know, there's only 280 characters on Twitter, and people will go nuts. Be like, Tom Bull says Aidan O'Brien is the big brother of Irish racing, is an enemy of all. No, just the trainers. Proceed. Well, actually, to be fair, like most people who are under the kind of... Um, the gaze of of Big Brother, I, I like many people do love O'Brien, and um, obviously you can't not. And he, but there's three of them, and I just think now with Donnaker in, in, in the state in the, in his stable as well, you know, poor these poor Irish traders, I've got little, little chance of landing a big one, haven't they? Really now, but um, actually, it's quite nice to see Jesse Harrington with a favourite, isn't it? Mm. Uh, in a Group One like this with Cayenne Pepper, I don't, I am against her though. I have to say, um, she won the Flame of Tara last season, obviously finished fourth in the Phillies Mile behind Love and Quadrilateral. Beaten a long way by Magical, but that was fair enough on her reappearance in the Pretty Polly. Um, interesting to see how she makes, what she makes of this mile and a half trip, the step up from a mile and a quarter. Um, she's a, by Australia, but it's not guaranteed to suit her. Plenty of her relatives have form over a mile and a quarter, but not over a mile and a half. Um, I'm not sure how strong her general form actually is. And I think she might be at the head of the market on reputation rather than actual proven ability. So I know that Jesse thinks the world of her, Jesse Harrington, I should say, not on first name terms, um, thinks yes. the world of her. Yeah, exactly. That's a, that's a big plus, obviously, but I'd be keen to look elsewhere. I mean, yes, she is likely to come on for that return in the Pretty Polly, and she's back against her own age group now, but I think she needs to show a little bit more. And remember, she's only a Group 3 winner and has so far struggled to land a blow at the top level. So until she does prove herself at Group 1 company, I'd be inclined to take her on, particularly as she is favourite and quite a short price. So that leads me nicely on to one of my favourites, as you mentioned earlier, Ennis Diamond. Um, we saw the way she improved from her maiden win to Royal Ascot, where she finished behind Frankly Darling, despite running the last three furlongs, as you mentioned before, in a quicker time, then she definitely improved again at Epsom, but obviously there was no match for that wonderful, brilliant Philly Love, who really was one of the most impressive winners of that race I can remember. So there's no shame in finishing a distant second to her in that race. She was quite clearly the best of the rest, because you watch that race back, and she made quite a significant mid-race move last from about last place to third, in around the space of half a furlong, and she tried to chase down. I think it was um, Tiempo Vuela and Passion, who were the two tearaway leaders. And I think in hindsight, jockey James Doyle would possibly have wished he'd simply tracked Love through the race rather than making that mid-race move. Um, although I don't think the result would have been any different. I think he still would have been beaten in a significant way. Um, however, of course, there is no love here. Um, no love here for plenty of them, apart from Ennis Diamond. And Aidan's pair... Ennis Diamond and Snow, the more the more fancied pair, I'd be much happier to side with with Ennis Diamond, who has proven Group One form. We know she stays very well. Um, she's only had four starts in her career, and the rate she has progressed suggests to me that the few pounds she needs to find her official ratings will certainly be something she is capable of doing. 
So she'd definitely be my pick. I think she should be favourite. I'm quite surprised she's not, actually. And the fact that Aidan O'Brien is clearly relying on her as his number one pick in the Irish Oaks, I think suggests, actually says quite a lot about the regard in which he holds her. So hopefully Anna Steinman is the one to land the Irish Oaks. And of the others, I, I like the attitude that Snow showed last time when she was stepping up to a mile and a half and winning the Munster Oaks at Cork. Um, but this is obviously a def- different kettle of fish. And on a collateral line through the second, Snapriceps, I think is the way you pronounce it. Um, you'd have other fillies who actually entered for this race, like Lamista, who bypassed the race at the declaration stage as being better than she is. And I think she does need to improve, improve significantly to land a Group 1. Um, even Song, likewise, needs to improve. And although she shouldn't join other two furlongs, which she, she's quite clearly a strong stayer, she has a fair bit to find on the figures. And she only scraped home enlisted company last time. Laburnum, I'm not sure about this one. I think she probably needs a couple more starts to land a Group 1. Um, despite the fact this isn't the strongest Group 1 in the world. And I thought Passion ran an extraordinary race in the uh, Investor Cokes at Epsom last time, time out, because she came back at the end, didn't she? Mm. Um, having made that ridiculous kind of forward move with Chen Pavuela. Um So I'd expect her to, to run well, but obviously not be good enough to win this. And the one I would give an outside chance to is New York Girl, because she was never really put in the race when supplemented the Irish Derby last time out, but she stayed on really nicely for seventh. I mean, I know she was beaten a fair, a fair way, but... She wouldn't have been supplemented for that race had Connections thought she wasn't capable of more. And she's only rated £1 inferior to Ennis Diamond. She's about, what, three times the price. And I think there's definitely more to come. Joseph O'Brien clearly thinks she's up to Group 1 level, particularly having put her in the Irish Derby where she was against the Colts. Now she's back against the Phillies. I can see New York girl running a big race uh, in, in what is not a particularly uh, strong Group 1. But for me, I think Ennis Diamond for the win and to see off New York girl in a, in, a, in, a, in a fantastic finish just to, to give me that beautiful kind of front two, but I don't think it's going to happen, but possibly. Uh, we never know. But as a time for me to, to land the win. I like the fact that you're putting up the forecast as well, or the exact, uh, whichever <laughs> yeah, way you want to go. And of course, you can do that in the Bet for Exchange as well. Um, I'm quite taken with snow here with Hussey on board, and uh, we're still in a situation where quarantine rules ruling out certain jockeys and of course Jamie Heffernan's going to be on the sidelines for a long long time um, so hence the, the jockey bookings the way they are but Rory as you look at the race did you take enough from Cayenne Pepper's comeback against Magical or was she a little bit flattered that day because that was all really about how brilliant Magical was and while she's a three year old and it was her first run of the season she was still beaten four and a half lengths and Magical was easing down so uh, do you want to be with Cayenne Pepper or against her? Uh, it'd be price dependent to be honest I'd, uh, that was a fair enough run there's no suggestion we shouldn't be looking at that and saying that's the best form in the race because mm. it, it isn't on paper um, although she had an impossible task um, trying to come from behind against Magical I thought she looked like she needed it as well um, you know she was that, that's a really tough ask for a three year old against older fillies in a grip one at that stage of the season um, for especially on her comeback um, she was one of only two in the race. The other one, Rocco Roma, um, was coming off a win and was well beaten um, in fifth in the end. Um, and Cayenne Pepper, I thought, I thought she looked like she was a little bit rusty and ran pretty well. But again, um, your view on whether she's um, a good bet for this depends on, on what you thought of her before that, um, not um, your analysis of that of that form as such. Because it's not, it's not the easiest uh, race to run. Um, uh, to analyse Magical um, was ridden the best way uh, for races at the curve. If you've got, if you've got a bit of class and you don't mind going from the front, 
going from the front is always the best thing to do, as we've seen time and time again there. Um, it doesn't tend to be where the best horses are ridden, um, but she, um, you know, she, she kicked clear entering the straight and the race was over. Um, so whether she's 10 pounds better than Cayenne Pepper at Wait for Age, whether she's, you know, four or five pounds better or a stone better, I don't know. Um, but the runner-up will, will come on a lot for that. As I said, when I talked about her beforehand, um, she's a filly I had marked down as my Oaks filly last season um, based on um, the way she shapes when beating Love uh, in the Phillies Mile. The Phillies Mile was, a, was a, a really interesting contest. You'd need to do a fair bit of, of, um, of study of the contest. Quadrilateral was flattered by winning it. Um, everyone raved about her afterwards, but she was... She looked the first horse beaten in the race, um, but they've all gone a little bit too soon into a headwind. And Quadrilateral, who couldn't go with them in the first place, ended up just plugging on and plugging on. And as they began to tie up uh, late in the day, um, she got up to win narrowly from Powerful Breeze. The Powerful Breeze was much the better, much the best of the pair of them um, on the day, but we haven't seen her since because she's been injured. Um, Love, um, you know, kept on late in the day to be third. But I thought Cayenne Pepper was a little bit unlucky in the run. Um, she was she was very prominent in the first place. Um, and then uh, she struggled when, when um, the others pressed on before keeping on again uh, late in the day to, to be fourth. I thought she shaped a fair bit better than the bare result that day. And that's why, that's why I liked her. She'd obviously won her previous start um, before that, but everything about her suggested that she would do better um, when developing a little bit more as a three-year-old. Um, and um, as I said, her, her two-year-old form has worked out very well. And she'd be so wonderful um, in the Flame of Tara prior to that. And she looks to be going the right way. So I still like her, but I, I wouldn't argue that she should be a short price favourite. You could, you could argue there are, there are five fillies in here with very similar form, uh, and there shouldn't be a huge amount between them um, on paper. Uh, I'm just hoping that Karen Pepper improves a big chunk. I think she probably will. Um, but if she's favourite for this, if she's a short price favourite, then I could probably leave her alone. You know, the whole, the whole point about about um, spotting horses um, in running who get beaten is that you get a decent price about them next time out. Mm -hmm. Here she is, only finishing fourth in the Phillies Mile, um, and she might rock up at six to four. Yeah. The Irish Oaks. Well, you're not you're gaining nothing, are you? Are you in terms of um, you're you're in running notes there? It's just going to be that kind of price. So if she does start that sort of those sort of odds and I'm, I'm just going to let the race go because uh, as we've seen before you know um, races at the, over this trip at the Curra um, can become tactical um, a very good ride on a front runner um, can, as we saw at Epsom as well can be the difference between um, victory and defeat as well so I, I wouldn't want to be back in at a very short price I'd be interested to know who's going to make the running game, whether it was Lavernum who was who, you know, made the running on her debut and was handy at Nace last time out um, all the way. Uh, that was the Oaks trial there. Um, whether she wants to make the running, whether Passion, given she did so at, uh, at Epsom, uh, goes, on again, goes on again. Again, as, as Tom said, I thought Passion really caught the eye. Um, it's just beaten a long way in the end. But, um, you know, snow can be consider, snow can be handy as well. Yeah. Uh, so I don't, know, I don't know exactly what the what the plan is, but one of these, one of these Philly, they're not going to, they're not going to be crawling around. One of them's going to go off at a decent pace, maybe with, with company, um, maybe, maybe just, um, flying on ahead of the others. So with tactics up in the air, and as I said, pretty much all of these still improving and 
really no more than, than four or five pounds between them. You know, Ennis Simon and Cayenne Pepper arguably the, have the best form, but they, they've had more chance to show what they can do. And there are other fillies who are unexposed in here. So it's, it's a tight-looking race. Um, I don't want to desert Cayenne Pepper, but I'd rather watch the race if she's too short. If I was to push you then for something as an outsider, Rory, who would you be going for? Do you have betting with from anyone there? Are we, are we yep. guessing a little bit in terms of how they're going to go? Yeah, you tell me what you want. I'll give it to you. Well, let's uh, tell us who the who the two outsiders are then, as it stands. <laughs> okay, the Yaxini for Gerlines. Mm-hmm. Uh, New York girl, 21.0, currently on the Betfair Exchange. Passion, who we think will make the running, is 15.0. Uh, Laburnum is 13.0. Even so... Laburnum. Laburnum, even... Laburnum. 13.0. Even so, 12.0. And then you take a big, significant drop. Snow, 5.5. And Steinem, 3.0. Cayenne Pepper, 3.0. Uh, do you know what? I, if I'm being absolutely brutal about this, if you could lay the front two in the market at two to one apiece... Um, which is, is what's that two zone the pair? Yep. Um, then um, uh, then I would do that. I think there are plenty of chances in this race, and, and I don't think the top two represent that much of the market. Right. Even though, you know, if you asked me to rate these, they would be first and second mm. um, in my book. But I think it'd be a much tighter book than, than the one that you're reading there. Okay. So laying the front two for Rory. Uh, at those prices, at obviously, the, if they go if they go off at seven to two and four to one, it becomes a different kettle of fish, doesn't it? Yeah, and price is everything. We've talked about this on the show before. It's vital, and that Rory you alluded to it initially as well. There's no point in making notes about Kyle Pepper wanting to get a good price about her and then getting stuck into her at six to four in this race. Uh, that is heartbreaking to Tumble, who is obviously supporting Anna Steinem. Uh, for me, not, he, it doesn't. He doesn't have those heartbroken just because I want to be against her at a mythical two to one. Exactly. And and you've been against Tom before and his horse has gone and won. So it doesn't matter. It's all about opinions <laughs> and it can and it can all play out uh, and we'll see how it goes. When I say I like snow for this, I should point out to make it clear that I'm not talking about which is a banging tune. But no, I, I do what like... Is what is that? Informer! Snow. All <laughs> oh, right. Okay. You, I, I was thinking. Well, I, th- I thought you were about to play Red Hot Chili Peppers one. Ah, uh, you see, I, that was there as well as an option, but this is the more iconic one. C- can you remember yeah, the enough. name of his album, Tom? Ah, uh, I can't. No. His album was called. Let me just get the pronunciation right. <sighs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Anyway, I do like Snow. I think she's an improving filly and can have her presence felt here, but I would like a bigger price than the current 5.5 and hopefully we will get it. Uh, That's our look at the Irish Oaks. We're recording on Tuesday instead where we're going to do something a little bit different. Instead of doing a weekend review, we're going to do a review of the season so far with Tony Keenan, Kate Tracy and Caroline Murta. So we'll be looking at the best of the best so far for our half-term report on the Final Forum podcast. It should be a lot of fun. We're recording on Tuesday afternoon. It'll be available for you on all podcast apps by Tuesday evening. Uh, the race that Rory Delargy is so keen to talk about is the Railway Stakes. The Gain Railway Stakes, 6.45 at the Curra. And Rory, you cannot wait to get stuck into this one. Succinctly, your thoughts. It's an awful race, I think. <laughs> um, and not, I'm not an easy one to bet in either because... Um, those those who set the standards don't set a particularly high standard for a, a race of this type. The average time form time form rating of, of winners of this race over the last um, few years is 119, um, and the highest rated this year is 102. 
and obviously, you know, something's going to improve a chunk to win it. They're not going to be far off that 119, I wouldn't have thought. Um, but that's that's the thing, um, you know, and what they've achieved so far, and all of these are good enough to win a to win a railway stage. But something's going to improve a fair bit. But I don't I don't like the two year old races at all. As I've said, it's been a funny season. The horses have been have been racing in different patterns than they normally would. Um, we've seen a number of times Aidan O'Brien taking highly rated, well bred horses over to the UK only to flock in a few of Royal Ascot. He had the favour of the Superintendent States last Saturday doing the same. And uh, for that reason, you know, you could you could not pay me to have a bet on this race. Um, so I'll get off it fairly quickly. Tom, for you, and let me ask you this question beforehand, given Andrew O'Brien's record in the race, and I'll, I'll extend this to you first of all and then to Rory. So brace yourselves. How many times has Aidan O'Brien won this race in the last decade? Tom? Oh, I'll go once. Twice. No, one. I'll go... Um, uh, twice. Rory. Twice. Spot on, gentlemen. Spot on. Twice. Van Beethoven and Painted Cliffs. Two trainers who have retired. In fact, three. Richard Hennon Sr. is gone. Jeremy Masida gone. David Watchman gone. Uh, they were the ones who were having the most winners in this race. Uh, Ger Lyons won it last year with Siskin. Uh, it used to be a farmed race for Coolmore, but not anymore. Uh, so, Tom, where would you be looking for this race? Yeah, I agree with Rory. It's definitely not a race to have a bet in. Um, a pretty weak race this year. I don't think To Glory, who is Joe Lyons' um, contender, is going to have anything like the amount of ability that Siskin has, uh, despite the fact, of course, he probably is pretty smart having won on debut. Uh, great to see Paddy Toomey with what is likely to be a strong favourite here, or relatively strong favourite in Arctician. Um, second in Group 3 company last time. That was a really nice run. Beat a pretty smart one of Coolmore's in third that day. Uh, if I was going to put up a selection, I'd be keener on Lucky Vega for Jesse Harrington. I was quite impressed with the way he won on debut, and he actually had Battleground behind him in fifth. We all know how well that one's come out. He won at Royal Ascot. Mm-hmm. Pizana was disappointing at Royal Ascot. That one was second, but he's a bit of a quirky sort. And I think Lucky Vega, who is qu- still quite green when he beat those 17 rivals uh, last time out, he, he looks the one who should come on a significant chunk for that. And I thought it was actually some of the stronger form in the race as it was. So hopefully if he progresses a little bit, he's going to become a pretty nice uh, two-year-old in the making. But I, I agree, I don't think this is a strong race. And um, of the O'Brien pair, I'd favour Merchant Key over Forest of Dreams, but both of them aren't. I don't think there are any leading lights particularly on what they've shown so far. So I'd, I'd go with Lucky Vega, but I hope Arctician runs well for Paddy Toomey. Funnily enough, I'd quite like Forest of Dreams, but this is not a race that I want to be betting with with any significance, but it's usually a race that needs to be talked about there. We've discussed it. The John Smith Silver Cup. Uh, Moonlight Spirit heads the betting on the Betfair Exchange at 2.5 currently. Universal Order 3.5 as Jamie Spencer is back for David Simcock. Uh, Communique and Mark Johnston 4.0 and Ranchan for Andrew Balding 8.5. Rory, succinctly, your thoughts on the John Smith Silver Cup, my friend? I think Jamie Spencer will have a um, successful return on uh, Universal Order. Um he he was very game and winning in a in a, a blanket finish in a small field last time at a, a new market. I think to be honest, a repeat of that's probably good enough to win this because the, the best horse in the race is Communique, um, but he's just a much better horse at New Market than he is anywhere else. Mm. Um, so he'd be top races here, and he came back to form when, when second to Tim Mayo last time out. But I, I wouldn't fancy him at this track. Um, and then you get questions. Uh, for one or two of these um, to answer. I thought Universal Order deserved to be favourite. Again, you know, I'm not looking to back six to four pokes and five runner races. Um, you can make a case for Moonlight Spirits. Um, I was taking a little bit of a chance 
stepping him up to two and a half miles for the Gold Cup last time out. Um, he'd be a lot happier back at this sort of trip and uh, he'd be a player as well. But I, I think um, Universal Order will um, uh, will run a big, big race here. Um, he's got a very good strike race. Um, he does have his limitations, but um, this is his level. And uh, Jamie Spencer uh, will no doubt have cherry fixed his comeback ride. I um, mean, just the two rides on the um, on the weekend. Oh, well, two two rides on on Saturday, and this is his first ride back. So I think that will be a um, a successful return to the saddle for Jamie. I agree. And uh, Jamie rode him to victory at York in September of last year. I think it'll be a comeback winner for Mr. Spencer. Tom, are you in agreement? I am. Yarmouth last year, by the way, not York. Well, for goodness sakes. It's not Yarmouth, is it? Oh, for goodness sakes. Y-A-R. Is my eyesight starting to fail me? The one good attribute that I have. Is that starting to go? Ah, damn it. It might be, you know. But the breaking news here is that Tom is in agreement with us. So I have to go place a bet right now. Tom. Well, that's the first, might be the first time we've been in all three of us. I think it, I think it is. You know, this yeah, is either great. really good or really bad. Yeah, I can only it can only go very well. I think. Um, <laughs> look, I think actually, first we've got to say how well Callum Shep has done without Jamie Spencer uh, being around. He's well really filled his pretty well. Um, I've been very impressed with him. He's he wrote a lot of winners, and I think David Sincock is going to have going to been very very happy with him, and probably thinking to himself, well, you know, if Jamie spends a little bit longer out on the sidelines, it won't be too bad at all. But it's great to see Spencer back. Obviously, he's perfect at riding this kind of horse, Universal Order, because he's the kind of horse that likes to come with a late withering run. And as Spencer showed when we were talking about Yarmouth uh, last year, it's exactly the kind of ride that he loves, biding his time in small fields and getting there late. He's the kind of horse that does suit a small field as well. He's got a nice potent turn of foot. It'll be interesting to see how he gets on back over this longer trip because he's run over it twice now, um, one mile, six furlongs. At Maidan, he was slightly disappointing, although only beaten two and a half lengths, but he was off, sent off quite a short price for that day earlier in the year. Um, but I still think, considering the way he won at Newmarket last time over a mile and a half, I would have no problems with this extra trip. And I think considering he is going to be held up with a late run, I, I, a track like this, I think he should have no problems in getting it. I mean, it, it's a bit of a shame, really, there are only five runners. And, and, and if you look at it properly, it's just a kind of three-horse race, really, at the moment, provided the Eagles by Day and Rajhan don't improve significantly. Uh, it just kind of says to yourself, where are all the stayers, you know? It's a group three over a mile and six, and there are only three proper kind of group, group horses in it. Um, and it's a bit of a shame, really. But at the same time, at least it's a, a decent enough race. There's no odds-on favourite. Moonlight Spirit has very high class group form that second technician at Longchamp at the end of last year was really good form um, but he was a real real disappointment behind Stradivarius as so many were in the Ascot Gold Cup and on the back of that you've got to be mad to back it I would, I would have said mm-hmm. Communique uh, ran really well at Newmarket as Rory said last time but Newmarket Cambridgeshire is his cup of tea he absolutely loves the Rolly Mile and the July course so back at York you'd be inclined to take him on particularly as actually he is a pretty erratic animal and I've not been as impressed with him this year as I have been in the past in terms of consistency and in terms of ability. So I'd be quite keen to take him on as well. So actually, the you know by default, really, Universal Order stands out on that win at Newmarket last time. He should be fine over this trip. Jamie Spencer coming back. Um, I can you know it all kind of adds up really to Universal Order landing the the John Smith Silver Cup. Three point five on the Bedford Exchange, but it's not going to last much longer as all three of us will be piling in to Newbury and the two fifteen, and again a race that Rory Delargy insisted that we talk about in pre-production. The Rose Bowl Stakes. Rory, take it away. 
yeah, there's a certain kind of race that I'm that I'm not massively interested in. Just tell us that Method wins, and we'll move on. Method wins. Um, what kind of price you're going to get about Method is another matter altogether. But um, yeah, he absolutely stuffed uh, Fever over at Doncaster on his debut, looking a really good prospect. And the only question about that was how good the second. Well, the second very nearly won the Duchess of Cambridge last week, so the form is clearly very good. Um, and your only worry is that, you know, every now and again you get a horse who produces an absolutely stunning debut performance and then doesn't go, doesn't go on from it straight away. But um, that looked very, very, very good. And it'll be a huge disappointment if he doesn't win this. Fizanari, anybody? Tom, you're in agreement with Method. I am indeed, yeah. He absolutely pulverised him, didn't he? It was wonderful to watch uh, a horse kind of spread eagle his rivals like that, as he did last time. Uh, really went a kind of a whole length of the, almost the whole length of the course. The camera could only have one horse in shot. And it's great to see that, isn't it? And hopefully he can back that up with a Sheen Murphy on board uh, for Martin Mead. And I, I really like Martin Mead as a trainer. He's had some very good horses in the past, but never some not quite kind of really top class group one horses um, who have been capable of winning in the classics or anything like that. But potentially method could be one of those. Um, one horse <clears throat> I'm quickly going to mention, an absolutely enormous price, is Mia Green, just because uh, Nick Bradley, who owns the horse, owns Fevrova, and he's going to have a decent line into method. He's got some very, very good two-year-olds this year, as we've seen. And I don't think Richard Fire, he would just be plunging in Mia Green to this race if he didn't think that uh, the horse is going to be capable of a lot better. Uh, she's she's going to have to improve a hell of a lot for that opening run. But, you know, Richard Farhees have been improving this season for their first run, and I can see her outrunning her odds, but I don't think they're going to get to method. So I think he's going to win the 215. He's got Dan Diller, doesn't he? He has, yeah. He's mm. got some really good ones. He had the first and second that day, didn't he? Dan Diller and, yeah, uh, and the second. The second is is co-owned by Mr. Hugh Taylor of this parish. Oh, so, yeah, uh, he's. I think he's still shaking from that fantastic performance. So uh, the dream is alive there. So Mir Green possibly for the exacta then, but it's method. We're all on method in the 2.15 at Newbury. August 13th, 2010. Frankel wins for the first time at Newmarket, beginning an incredible run of 14 wins. All great streaks start somewhere, so start your own with Betfair's free bet streak. Simply bet £20 on the exchange this week and get a £5 free bet. If you win with a free bet, you'll get another. It's that simple. Free bet streak from Betfair. Weekly opt-in, back or exchange bets, place Monday to Sunday. Minimum odds of £1.55 free bet awarded at Bet Settlement. Valid for 72 hours, T's and C's apply. 18 plus the 325 Newbury the Aphrodite Philly Stakes uh, Virgin Snow heads the betting at will we play Snow again? nah uh, 5.0 on the bet for exchange 6.0 Laloon and uh, Shilane for Andrew Balding and Ryan Moore 7.0 uh, Tom you can take this one first the 325 Newbury yeah, I've got, I've got a relatively strong fancy in this, actually. I'd be yes. quite keen on Vivid Diamond. She's not had her required conditions for quite a while now. And last time, when she finished behind, actually, one we've already mentioned, Universal Icon, she was taking on a higher class of horse that day, despite the fact it was in a similar grade, uh, and she was taking on the boys. And I think she almost certainly needed that effort. She blew up a bit in front, but it was by no means devoid of promise at all. And I think the fact that she is... Coming on, having a second time now, a second run now, I think she'll definitely strip fitter. And I'm just going to go quickly talk back through her reasons why she could be excused some of her defeats last season. For example, she ended last season with a really heavy defeat in a Group 3 at Saint-Cloud. 
But I think you could put that down to very heavy ground and the fact she was feeling it at the end of a long season. And previously, she finished third behind Miranda, again on soft ground, which I don't think really suits her particularly well. Um, but she was definitely on a, she was definitely run a good race there. She ran a cracker to finish just off a, just beaten by a good horse of Sir Michael Stouts called Sextant. That's a really big run in the context of this race. And if she runs to that level now, she will win. And now he gets the crooks of the matter, in my opinion. She finished a really good third in the Park Hill last season behind Enbihar and Delphinia, both of whom would be very, very strong favourites for this race indeed, and they'd probably win. Um, the conditions suited her that day. It was faster ground, and she finished ahead of some very good fillies, including Dan Mayo, who we saw uh, one last week for Ed Vaughan, and Frank the in no uncertain terms. She'd previously, the start before that, I know this is quite a long time ago, and I was in the middle of last season. We know how often Mark Johnson runs his horses. She previously ran the Chester Stakes by five lengths. That's a listed contest. And if in that form again, she is the one to beat here. She's also the one to beat on that Park Hill run. And she finally gets her required conditions now. And she's had that only run under her belt. She should be very tough to beat as she's a proven listed performer, something that a lot of these rivals aren't. And I think she should be capable of winning this sort of contest. She's the highest rated in the race and was actually rated as high as 106 after the Park Hill. So definitely looks the one to beat to me if she bounces back to something like her best, which I think she's going to because conditions are going to be ideal for her. We often see Mark Johnson's horses do bounce back and I can see her going very, very close indeed. This is a very winnable race and... I think she's going to be the one to beat. The Universal Order Vivid Diamond Double could be into play here as well. 7.5 on the Bedford Exchange. She's a general 6-1 to one shot elsewhere. Uh, Rory, do you want to back that up or go elsewhere? I just, yeah, I think I think that's a generally fair point. I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't be citing the fact that um, uh, she was um, ahead of, of Dan Mayo or Dan Mayo um, in the um, in the Park Hill, though, because um, that that filly just didn't give her didn't give her running at all that day. I wouldn't be drawing the line um, between her, her performance there. She was she, I was with her that day. I thought she was I thought she was going to be really good. Uh, Dan Byron, she ran an absolute stinker, um, and um, obviously she was off for a while after that and went straight back to her best on her next start. Um, it's still it's still a good performance from uh, from Vivid Diamond to finish a third behind Embihar, who was a very solid performer last year. Um, she was getting £13, of course, uh, weight for age. So you've got to bear that in mind. But yes, yeah, so the, the pick of her form gives her every chance in this race. And the dogs um, and the, the dogs at the Largies are starting to bark about oh, the fact yes. that this Vivid Diamond should be backed. I should point out that Rory has a guest dog. This is not Bogey, a neighbour's dog who's kicking up a fuss and may very well be a guest on the show. Well, in fairness, it's probably... Who is it, Rory? Yeah, yeah, that's the guest one. Sending each other off. Oh goodness sakes! So, vivid diamond for you, Rory? No, but I don't have I don't have a tremendously um, strong opinion on the race. I would go with Virgin Snow, who I know was beaten. um, You can argue she was beaten easily by Cozy Kazi in the the Hopping Sticks at Newcastle last time out. But I thought the winner got a very very good ride that day, Um, and uh, that's accentuated her. um, her winning margin. I thought Virgin Snow, um, we haven't seen the best of her yet. Um, obviously, she's a, she's a daughter of Snow Fairy. She doesn't have the form yet um, to um, to match Vivid Diamond. She's not exposed. I thought it was a good run last time out for all. You can poke holes in it. Um, and I think a well-run race of this trip will show her to, to better effect. So I'd give her another chance to uh, to prove herself a, a group footy. Repartee heads the betting for the four o'clock at Newbury. The Hackwood stakes the group three. Judicial 
An old favorite of Tom Bull's, uh, 5.0. But I believe, Tom, you're deserting him. <laughs> I'm afraid I am. I, I just think he, of that three-pound penalty he's got to carry, that, that could just find him out in a race of this nature. I mean, I know he was a very good winner last time out and a pretty hot chip chase stakes. But <clears throat> I have to say, I wanted to jump for joy when I saw the declarations for this race. Because Summerhand is a group winner waiting to happen. He is one of those slightly quirky horses who needs absolutely everything to drop absolutely perfectly for him, which we didn't quite see in the Wokingham because he couldn't quite reel in Hey Jonesy, though probably should have won that race. We saw the same thing earlier in the season when he couldn't quite get to Tinto, who is now a proven pattern level sprinter himself and also also um, runs in this. Um, but we really saw what Sam Summerhand could do at, at Pontefract last time out, as I know it was only a handicap, but he was top weight off 105, travelled like a dream as is his want, and then put them to bed in quite effortless fashion. I mean, to be honest, I actually possibly think he hit the front too early that day, as I think he needs to be held up and held on to as long as possible. He's got that wonderful, potent, devastating turn of foot at the end of his races, and he's got that... Re he's a bit... Reminds me of it. I know he's not quite as good, but he reminds me of the way that Soul Power used to run and the fact that he just loved to be covered up and come with that late rattle. Um, I'm delighted 12 have been declared for this, as it means he should get a lovely toe into it and we'll have some cover. David O'Mara's as we said earlier, um, had some really, some really um, good winners recently, um, and it's testament to you know his ability as a trainer that Summerhand is improving as a six-year-old. Now it's interesting to point out that the ceiling of this race is held by the Tin Man, who is quite clearly regressing slightly. He's all still rated 115, but you'd be inclined to think that something you know would improve past him. He's won this race in the past, I know, but Summerhand has around seven pounds to find with him. But I'm not. I'm not convinced that either the Tin Man or Shine So Bright, both of whom are rated at the top the top end of this race, are going to be quite as good. They're still dining out. I mean, I know that Shine, Shine So Bright is still dining out in his Group 2 win at York uh, last year when the weights were really in his favour. I think if you look at the field in general, plenty of these are out of form. I would fear repartee with that weight allowance because he won pretty well at Windsor last time, but I just think this race might come a little bit soon. And I think the biggest danger will come from Judicial, who has a great chance, but that £3 penalty, I think, does swing the balance in the favour of Summerhand, who is due a really big success. I know he got off the mark at Ponty last time out, but a race of this nature is definitely up. His, he's definitely within his capabilities, and I'd be surprised if he wasn't banging there at the finish. And hopefully, he can come with that late withering run that we all know and love, and he can finally not prove the bridesmaid, but be the bride in a really big race. Rory, for you, the four o'clock, our last race to talk about on Saturday. I see this much the same way as Tom, to be perfectly honest. I would be with someone else as well here. I think he's when last time I did a Ponty fight um, is as good as anything any of these have shown recently. He will get the race run to suit here as well. His last three runs are all absolutely solid. Um, he's he's just in the, in the form of his life at the moment. I think someone had a win for him again. So Summer G hand for Rory, for Tom, for me, and for Rory's neighbour's dog who will not shut up on the Final Furlong podcast. What is his name? It's a she. She is called Truly. She's an absolutely gorgeous dog. She's an English pointer. I say. Um, and she is, she's stunning, but she's, she doesn't like being left alone. Clearly not. She shares a cool more name, is clearly a classy dog, but she wants all the attention in the world. Let's move on. Hold on a second, Oh, oh, oh. Whichever baby. one of you wants to be famous, now you break the start, okay? That's because you've been Harvey. Alright, you're not lining the point of time now, okay? Stay in the line, we've walked over the board, okay? Of course, how did you fucking win to the support? Do not cause a point there. Nobody thinks the ball has to see the line or no. No! Yes! I'm not breaking a wall! No, I don't
Russell takes no nonsense on the final Furlong podcast. No nonsense at all from him. Uh, do you know who could do with his help? Robbie Supple. Hey, would you ever leave Robbie Supple alone for crying out loud? <laughs> I was waiting for it. I was waiting for Rory to just get stuck in with his instant defense of Robbie. Let's get Davey sent over to help out Robbie. The Marsh Cup. Uh, Newbury, four o'clock. It's over two miles and a half. Australis was last time out, finishing second to Caravan of Hope. That race you can watch back from Newcastle on attheracist.com if you want some video prep for the weekend. While Tom was all over Caravan of Hope for the big race at Newcastle, the Northumberland Plate, you are not going to be with Australis, Tom. Not this time. I mean, we talked about it off air, uh, didn't we? And I, I just said that, you know, Rory said, and I agree with him, that, that Australis had, had the perfect run of the race that day. There was no excuse for him. He was could not have been better placed throughout the contest and he still couldn't win. Um, that could have been his... That could have been his uh, his big day, and it just didn't happen. So I think he is worth taking on again. You know, the bookies haven't missed him. He's a short. He's not that particularly short price, but he is favourite. And I'd be much more inclined to look for something at a bigger price. Which leads me nicely on to Diocletian, this horse for Andrew Balding, who ran really no sort of race in the Ascot Stakes at Royal Ascot on his return. But he seemed a little disconcerted by the first time. Hood ran very keen that day and was never going to get home of that two and a half mile trip. Um, it was a very difficult ask for him the first time up to win that kind of race. So I think now he's had that first start out of the way. Uh, he drops back in trip four furlongs here. That's going to help him a lot. And let's not forget, he was a very, very impressive winner at Chester last back end. He did get a massive hike in the weights for that, but it was more than fair enough. It was a most impressive victory. And I do think he's overpriced around about 20, 25 to one mark. Um, now, his best performances have come at left-handed tracks, so I think the switch to Newbury from Ascot is certainly a positive, as is, as I said, the drop the trip to two miles. And if he doesn't start to progress like he did towards the back end of last season, then he definitely will go very well here. Andrew Boarding's having a cracking season, and uh, hopefully Diocletian, who is definitely overpriced, I think he can win this kind of race off a mark of 96, and I'm hoping for the best for him because he's, um, he's a stayer I'd like to follow, and I hope he progresses again this season as he did last season. Diocletian. For Tom Bolt, Rory, for you. Yeah, I think um, the Northumberland Plate is uh, is definitely a race to look at for all. Um, um, Australis um, was seen to best effect there. It's nice six pounds higher after getting beaten. I thought that that counted against him here. Um, one who um, who took the eye um, further back in the field there uh, and is potentially well handicapped is just Hubert, and I'll be with him here. He got an awful ride from Martin Dwyer. Uh, I don't know what the hell he was playing at. Um, on, unless he felt the horse simply couldn't raise a gallop in the early stages, but he was—you needed to be right up with the pace there um, at Newcastle. He didn't go great gallop, um, and if you were behind turning into the street, you just had no chance of, of making up the uh, um, the ground. And just Hubert was was um, well adrift of the of the second last horse in the early stages there, with his rider seemingly happy um, to let him uh, swing away like that. So he did well to pass half the field in the end. He finished 11th, which doesn't sound particularly good, but if you consider where he came from uh, and the fact that they were they were effectively sprinting in the last uh, last couple of furlongs, uh, relatively speaking, um, that wasn't a bad run from him. Um, I mean, it, I suppose, it was just reviewing the, uh, the start of that race, he was a bit slowly into stride, but I thought, um, and you don't want to rush them up straight away, but um, uh, Martin was, was more than happy to. Um, so let him just um, sit well off the pace. Um, and th there is, sometimes with horses like that, there's a, a degree of picking up the pieces 
um, where if you just delay your challenge until very late, then those who've made an earlier run and, and can't sustain it um, are easy pickings later on. Um, so that is a slight worry, but he does win races, just true. But he had a good season last year. Um, he's won uh, three times, all right-handed, which is a slight concern here. Um, but I don't, I don't think that necessarily means he has to go this way around. Um, his last win came off just a two-pound lower mark at Musselburgh in September on quick ground. Um, and since then, he's had excuses, either uh, you know, racing in tough company and on a, on a ground that doesn't necessarily suit. Um, and uh, you know, needed his return um, at Haydock. I thought he didn't run badly there. Um, was much better than the better result at Newcastle and has dropped um, a couple of pounds for those runs. So he's competitive handicap-wise. Um, his, his pedigree shows that this is the trip he should be running out. And he's, he's still relatively unexposed at, at two miles um, when you take out those races that he couldn't win. And um, I thought he had every chance on paper. What kind of price is it, are we looking at? Uh, we're looking at a big price, Rory. Yeah. 21.5 currently in the Betfair Exchange. Yeah, just if, he's tw- if he's bigger than 20, then that's a big price. Um, you know, he's, he's a turf performer. So, the, you know, people were happy to punch him at, at, at 14 so in the Northumberland place. And he was much better than the result. And he shouldn't be a bigger price for this. So if he's 20s and upwards, then he's definitely worth it. Well, 21.5 currently for Just Hubert on the Betfair Exchange. And uh, Tom's selection, Diocletian, 17.0. So two big price selections there for us. And our final race is another one that Rory cannot wait to talk about. The Weatherby Super Sprint Stakes. Two-year-olds again, Rory, briefly. The Super Sprint is a great race. It's a great race, particularly if you're Rod Millman um, and every decade you can win it and, you know... uh, get new owners and build new boxes and stuff like that they're out of it because it gives you a chance if you've got the um, if you've got an eye for a fast uh, juvenile or, or a yearling who's going to turn into a fast juvenile then it gives you the opportunity of winning a massive pot um, for a reasonably small outlay unfortunately the pot isn't as big as it was um, because of the times that we're in um, first prize is 70 odd grand this year has been more than that but it's not a race that always goes to the form book um, and it's a race where the draw will, will, will play a part and it's also a race we don't have declarations for or the draw I don't want to suggest for a second that it's a terrible race it's just a race I don't like hunting in I still like Happy Romance who would have been my selection in the um, in the Queen Mary she's only fifth there but she showed a lot of speed um, to, to win a Sandine on her second start um, having shaped a lot better than the better result on her debut um, you know, she, she's clearly just short of, of the highest class, um, but she'll get in here with no way. She'll get in, get in here with eight stone five, um, with the Phillies Alliance and having cost 25 grand, um, which is not a fortune these days. Um, so she's she's got a um, very strong chance if she's in there for a yard that does very well with it. It's a little bit sad that Lullaby Moon is running for different connections now, having having uh, run an absolute screamer on debut to win at Goodwood for Joe Stewart. Uh, Joe, who doesn't get um, debutant winners at all, um, this um, this filly by Bellardo, I think became his first um, his first winner um, when scoring at Goodwood. Um, but she's been um, she's been switched um, to Michael Bell since that. Sold and um, switched. Sold and switched. And so she, she's probably um, 
the one to beat on paper, given that she's she's run to a similar standard as, as the likes of Hacker and Manson get it with just one run. And again, from a yard that doesn't that never gets its its um, newcomers buzzed up. So you'd like to think there's improvement. Disco Beats is a horse that was mentioned by our good friend John Dance at the start of the season. So I would keep the fate with him. He was in the winner's enclosure last time at a short price and Joe Fanning is jocked up. So hopefully uh, John Quinn, John Dance will be in the winner's enclosure with Disco Beats. Tom, for you? Well, funnily enough, I'm going to go with both of you, actually. The two that I had picked out were Disco Beats um, and the Hannon Philly as well. So I'm I'm going to stick with you guys. I think the... Um, Disco Beach is quite impressive last time, I thought. Yeah. And you can kind of see his run the time before that. And I think based on that run last time, he, he's going to improve again. I think he's going to have a decent chance each way. Um, Happy Romance obviously has the form in the book and the Queen Mary was very impressive on her start before that in victory. And she gets that waist allowance. So hopefully she'll get in the race once the preparations are made. And uh, she's got a big chance too. So, but I, I would agree with both of you. Excellent. Richard Hannon has taken this race twice in the last six years and Disco Beats would be a nice winner for the Final Forum podcast and for the DJ himself, John Dance. You can see him spinning the tunes on his Twitter page if you want or him talking about some Marvel stuff as well, which of course we all love. And John will be back on the show before the end of the year. Best bets, gentlemen. Best bets for the weekend. Tom, we'll start with you. Oh, that's tricky. I'll probably go with Vivid Diamond and the Aphrodite. I'm very keen on her. Now that she's got those conditions she needs, she should improve for that first start when she was taking on the boys. And I can see her going really, really well here. I don't think it's a very strong Aphrodite stake. She's the best filly in the race on ratings. And I think she will run to that level and she should win. I'm pleased with that. Rory, for you? Probably go Just Hubert if I'm getting 20s and bigger. Just Hubert for Rory DeLarge at a wild price. Uh, I will go for Universal Order. So uh, Jamie Spencer back in the winner's enclosure on his comeback. That's it. We are done. That's the weekend winners sorted for Saturday and for Sunday. Uh, my thanks once again to Tom Bull from The Sun. Uh, I'm expecting big stuff in the weekend, uh, both on radio and in the paper as well. Yes, indeed. The paper's got a lovely pullout as always. Uh, a few stuff in there from Matt Chapman, the likes of him. And, uh, from who? As well. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> um, and some big features too so make sure you look out for that and TalkSport I think we've got the uh, the racing again on Saturday so yeah it should be a big weekend should be indeed uh, Rory you're in the Irish field at the weekend certainly hope so I'm written for them so I hope they publish it <laughs> so it should be there then of course Hugh Taylor and Simon Rollins will be available for free on attheraces.com and the At The Races app which is available as a free download for your smartphone iPhone Android whatever it is you're using on Tuesday Caroline Murta Kate Tracy and Tony Keenan join me as we look back on on the best of the best, in our opinion, of 2020 on the flat so far. We'll be looking ahead to the ARC. We'll be looking ahead to the Breeders' Cup, live on Sky Sports Racing, and more big races too. But who we think are the best horses and the ones to be watching so far this season, that'll be coming for you on Tuesday afternoon on all podcast apps. Make sure you're subscribed to listen to it. It should be gold. From Tom Bull. Cheers, Emmett. Thank you very much. Have a lovely weekend. Hopefully there are some winners in there. Hopefully lots of gravy from Roy DeLarge. All the very best. From Roy DeLarge's neighbour's dog. Woof, woof. <laughs> and from me, Emma Kennedy, thanks so much for listening. Look after yourself. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you soon. God bless. Will it happen or won't it happen? You can bet on it with the Betfair Exchange. Proud sponsors of the Final Furlong podcast. Have you downloaded the free app, The Races app yet? With easy-to-use race cards and form, expert daily tips, plus video replays and in-app betting, it's the app that no racing fan's phone should be without. Available for free on your iPhone or Android mobile, visit attheracers.com forward slash app for more details.